The rain was blown in grey drifts down the valley and the river flooded the martin holes that riddled the sandy banks. Trees and branches and dead animals bumped towards the sea. So heavy were the autumnal fresh that the otters could not see to hunt in the river. They travelled up the valley on land, feeding on little voles turned out of their drowned homes and on rabbits which they caught in a warren in a wood where the corpses of herons and kingfisher red-throated divers, cormorants and shags were nailed to an oak tree. Some had been shot, others trapped. The cormorants and shags were beheaded, for the two rivers board of conservancy paid one shilling for every head. The wings of the kingfishers were cut off their tiny bodies, for some women in towns were willing to pay money for the bright feathers which they wore as ornaments on their hats. After another gale, the birds' nests of old summer began to show in the woods above the winding river. Very beautiful were the wild cherry trees at the fall of their vermilion leaves. The gales of the October equinox stripped them off the branches and whirled them away. The otters went down again on another fresh sometimes leaving the water to cross the bends of marshy grounds and fields, following trackless paths which otters had run along before fields were ploughed, before wild men hunted them for their skins with spears of fire-hardened wood. These paths were older than the fields, for the fields were once the river's wider bed, in the mud of which the heavy rudders had Willem dragged. They floated under Halfpenny Bridge and lay by day in the reeds of the old canal bed. A dog disturbed them and the next night they travelled inland and sought a resting place in the hillside earth of badgers. The white, arrowed faces of the brocks only peered and sniffed at them. A few dawns previously, a fox had crept into the same earth among the hillside pines but the badgers had turned him out as he stank and his habits were displeasing to their tidy ways. Had the fox crept there during the day and his wheezing told them that he was being hunted by hounds, he would not have been bitten and driven out, but given shelter, for man was their common enemy. The Brocks allowed the otters to sleep in one of their ovens, as countrymen call the chambers connecting the tunnels, for they were the size and shape of the clome ovens wherein some Devon farmwives still bake bread. The otters were clean and washed themselves before sleeping, and so the badgers were agreeable. At fall of night, they left the earth together. Tarker, keeping close to his mother, for the size and appearance of the old boar, who had been snoring during the day on his bed of bitten grass and moss in the next oven, made him uneasy. The badgers waddled down the paths trodden through the spindleberry shrubs and blackthorns, but the otters made their own way among the brambles to the sloping top of the hill. 
They ran along a row of sheep-nibbled rape to the skyline, crossed a road, and pushed through the hedge banks of many small fields. Travelling down a pasture and through a wood of oak and holly, they came to a pill, or creek, whose banks were fissured by guts and broken by tidal waters. Whitetip suddenly galloped away over the mud, for she recognised the Lancaster pill, which carried the stream coming down the valley from the twin ash halt where she had been born. It was low tide, and the water ran below the glitters or steep muddy slopes. They spread their legs and the water took them under a road bridge to the river, which ran through a wide and shallow pool crossed by black round iron pillars of the railway bridge, the pool of the six herons. Whenever Tarka crawled out to catch one of the little birds feeding by the waterline, his feet sank into the mud and his belly dragged. Alarmed by the otters, the birds arose with cries which seemed to awake echoes far down the river. These were the cries of ring plover and golden plover, or curlew, wimbrel, snipe and redshank, and all the way down into a dim starlit distance the cries were born and repeated. The brown water rocked them down, and as they were drifting in a wide curve, Tarka saw something which filled him with fear. The constellation of the plough, which had been before them, was now on their left, with its starry share touching the tops of the trees far away. The stars were friendly, being of the night and the water, but these strange lights were many times the size of the morning star. They stretched in a twinkling line across the river, throwing a haze above them, like the dawn which the otters of the two rivers know as a warning. <laughs>